Chapter thirty five of Carpenter's World Travels Alaska, Our Northern Wonderland by Frank Carpenter. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter thirty five Mount McKinley, the Most High. McKinley, the highest mountain on the North American continent, was known to the Indians as Denali, the Most High. It was used as a landmark in their journeys, and stories of it form a part of their folklore. Most of the world's great peaks rise from a high plateau. Mount McKinley, with its snow-crowned head four miles aloft in the clouds, towers up from a low tundra shelf. No other mountain known rises so high over its own base. It is this which gives it such an effect of supreme height and grandeur. I have seen Mount McKinley from the hills of the Tanana Valley near Fairbanks. It is visible in many parts of Alaska and as more and more tourists visit it and Mount McKinley National Park, it will become as well known as Fujiyama, Mont Blanc, or Pikes Peak. It will rank as one of the scenic wonders of the world and the grandest mountain on earth. If you will take an aeroplane and shoot straight up for four miles, you will be on a level with its summit, and when you stand on its slope at the end of the road where the automobile will land you after leaving the cars, you will have a mountain view which cannot be equaled in the Alps, the Andes, or the Himalayas. I have traveled all of these regions. I have seen most of the greatest mountains of the world. Take Aconcagua, the giant of the Andes. It actually is a half mile higher above the sea than Mount McKinley, but the best views of it are to be had only when you are a mile and a half or two miles above the sea, and then you see it over other peaks which dwarf its altitude. One of the best places to see Mount Everest is on the southern slope of the Himalayas. I saw it from Tiger Hill, not far from Darjeeling, where I was about a mile and a half above the sea. I started out in the darkness and waited there for sunrise. The air was clear and the sun's rays made the mighty peak look like frosted silver, but one could not realize that he was gazing at the highest known point of the globe. Mount Everest is almost six miles above the sea but my view was cut off by Chinkinjinga, which is only 1,000 feet lower, and that mountain was dwarfed by the other giants between. Each of these wonder mountains has its own features of scenic grandeur, but none can show the stupendous height effect of Mount McKinley. The north side of the mountain rises almost precipitously, and, standing on the northern foothills, one has an unobstructed view of 17 or 18,000 feet of mountain walls. I can give you a close view of Mount McKinley only from hearsay and from the magnificent pictures of Belmore Brown, the noted mountain climber of the Campfire Club of America. Mr. Brown is an artist and explorer and the author of The Conquest of Mount McKinley. He has attempted the ascent of Mount McKinley both from the south and the north, and at one time he succeeded in reaching within a few hundred feet of the top. He has been over the great part of the region which has been enclosed in the park and has given the committees of congress a graphic representation of the wonders of the mountain and of the great droves of wild game to be found on the slopes i have secured some of my best impressions of the park from him i have also talked with charles sheldon of the boone and crockett club of new york about his experiences on the slope of mount mckinley he is another of the great authorities on this out-of-the-way game region he built a cabin on the mountainside some years ago and spent a winter or so there studying the game of the country and collecting specimens 
for the u s biological survey in addition to these two men i have met in alaska members of every party connected with the attempts to climb the mountain with the exception that is of those in the party of dr cook of north polar fame the great mountain was known to the russians and was mentioned by george vancouver the navigator after whom vancouver island was named he came into cook inlet and reached the site of the present town of anchorage in seventeen ninety four his records describe his view of stupendous snow mountains apparently detached from each other he must have seen mount mckinley mount foraker and others it was not until eleven years after we took over alaska that two prospectors named mayo and harper made a trip three hundred miles up the tanana river and on their return mentioned an enormous ice mountain they had seen in the south in eighteen eighty nine another prospector named densmore gave an enthusiastic account of the mountain but it was not until eighteen ninety six that w a dickey a princeton graduate traveled through the susitna valley and made an extended description of it mr dickey named it after president mckinley recording that name in a letter published in the new york sun in eighteen ninety seven dickey estimated its height as twenty thousand feet a little later george eldridge and robert muldrow of our geological survey took its height by triangulation at twenty thousand three hundred feet the generally accepted figure although i have seen estimates which make it two or three hundred feet higher another remarkable survey was made of a part of the region by dr alfred brooks and d l rayburn in nineteen o two they were the first men to set their feet upon the slopes of mount mckinley i have talked with dr brooks about his experiences he made a reconnaissance survey of the western and northwestern face and was the first to lay out a plan for attempting an ascent dr brooks estimates the height of mount mckinley at twenty thousand three hundred feet of mount foraker at seventeen thousand feet mount st elias at eighteen thousand twenty four feet and mount logan at nineteen thousand five hundred thirty nine feet and now as to the ascent of this giant peak the first man to attempt it was james wickersham a former delegate to congress from the territory judge wickersham has told me how he caught sight of it from far up the yukon when he first came to alaska and determined to do what he could to reach its summit it was in may nineteen o three after holding his first term of court at fairbanks that he set out with four men and two mules he went down to tanana in a steamer and ascended to the head of navigation on the kantishna he left the river and struck across the country to the base of the mountain but he tried to ascend by the peters glacier and was stopped by the enormous ice-covered cliffs of the north peak he came back saying that only a balloon could ever take one to the top he spent a week in attempting the climb and it was only when his provisions gave out that he returned to fairbanks the next attempt was made by dr cook who claimed that he stood on the peak and gave an illustrated lecture at washington telling how he got there this like his north polar expedition was afterwards shown up as a fraud the first real ascent of mount mckinley was made in february nineteen ten by a party of mining prospectors backed by three saloon keepers of fairbanks the prospectors were thomas lloyd charles mcgonagall william taylor and peter anderson one of the saloon keepers was big bill mcphee whom i met in fairbanks he and the two others each put up five hundred dollars for the journey which sum sufficed for the needs of the party 
i had a talk in the tanana club at fairbanks with tom lloyd who headed the party and also with taylor and anderson with whom i traveled on the tanana river from ninana to chena the men got to the foothills about the first of march nineteen ten lloyd who had been hunting mountain sheep in the region led the party up the slope by easy passes and made his way over the great muldrow glacier it took them about twenty-five days to get to the head of the glacier with their dogs and supplies and it was on the tenth of april that taylor anderson and mcgonagall made the final part of the ascent crawling over the ice by means of irons strapped to their moccasins and with hooked poles in their hands they did not tie themselves together with ropes and there was no cutting of steps it was every man for himself and they gradually climbed the ice of the north peak of the mountain carrying a fourteen-foot flagstaff with them they planted this on the peak where it stands to this day the top of the mountain is somewhat like a horseshoe it is an extinct volcano and the south point is perhaps three hundred feet higher than the north point tom lloyd pete anderson billy taylor and charlie mcgonagall could easily have gone over and climbed the south peak but they wanted their flag where they mistakenly believed it would be seen by telescope at fairbanks one hundred and fifty miles away the honor of the highest ascent goes to the party headed by archdeacon stuck who with harry karstens the alaska scout and guide reached the top of the south peak in nineteen thirteen belmore brown had come within about one hundred feet of it the year before that but an earthquake which had shaken down the great ice masses and the blizzard which came up at that altitude prevented his getting to the summit as to the feet of harry karstens and archdeacon stuck i got the story of it from harry karstens as we sat and chatted together in big bill mcphee's store at fairbanks harry karstens is a young trapper and hunter famous for his nerve on the trail he is a noted guide and takes out rich hunters when they come to the yukon he brought the first mail into fairbanks and took the first letters into the kantishna he made the trip up the mountain in partnership with the archdeacon the latter furnishing one thousand dollars for the expenses against karsten's experience the understanding being that the two were to divide the proceeds from archdeacon stuck's book and lecture describing the ascent the men were fifty-two days on the way of which fifty days were spent going up and only two coming down you can get a graphic description of the journey by reading archdeacon stuck's book entitled the ascent of mount denali mount mckinley dominates the greatest of the government's reserves mount mckinley national park this park has an area of over twenty five hundred square miles or more than twice the size of rhode island there are rich grass valleys there are beautiful woods of spruce cottonwood and birch there are waterfalls and rushing streams mighty glaciers sweep down the mountainsides Muldrow Glacier is 35 miles long. The largest glacier of the Swiss Alps is only 16 miles in length. Here and there, great lava flows from the old volcanoes make patches of vivid brown and green and purple and red. Wild animals throng the whole area and, now that they are protected by the government, will make the park the largest and best populated game preserve of this continent. The only place I know that at all compares with it is the strip two miles wide running from mombasa on the east coast of africa to lake victoria six hundred miles inland that strip a mile wide on each side of the railroad fairly swarms with zebra and antelope of various kinds 
it will be the same in the mount mckinley park that region has thousands of caribou or american reindeer belmore brown saw one hundred and twenty-five in one herd and they sometimes move back and forth over the park in droves of thousands charles sheldon tells me that he counted five hundred mountain sheep in one day the park is also the haunt of the bear and the beaver it has moose in the low timber and bushes along the streams and there are foxes rabbits and lynx and the many varieties of birds found in alaska it will be the most interesting place for the study of natural history protected by law most of the animals will become so tame that they will not run at the approach of tourists and will be preserved for all time among the wonders of our fauna heretofore this region has been practically inaccessible to the ordinary traveler but the railroad will make the region almost as easy to reach as any of our national parks at one place the trains pass within fifteen miles of the park moreover the foothills of the northern slope of the mountains are such that roadways can be easily made up one little valley after another so that tourists may go by wagons or automobiles right to the foot of the mountain end of chapter thirty five